You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast. This podcast series was designed to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters. We cover a variety of topics that will help you become more confident and comfortable in the field while hunting deer. All right, everybody, welcome back to the How to Hunt Deer podcast. And today I am joined by a gentleman, Joe Birrell. Joe, how are we doing today? Doing pretty well. How about yourself, Dan? I can't complain, man. I'm uh, I'm tagged out in Iowa for the time being. Um, I don't I don't gun hunt, just archery hunt. And uh, so I have to wait until shotgun season is over to determine whether or not I want to go out and try to uh, hunt the late season in uh, December and January this year. Now, do you get more than one buck over there, or is it just one? Well, in Iowa, basically you can get an archery buck, and you can get a, a firearms buck. Um, but in the late season, you can use what they call a primitive weapon. It's actually the late, uh, it's a late season muzzleloader tag. But what you can do is you can use your bow equipment. It can be a muzzle loader or anything that's considered primitive, and a compound bow falls into that category. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where where do you reside? I live right outside of Indianapolis in a little tall town called Greenfield, Indiana. Okay, all right. So you reached out to me, and you said, hey, I finally, after several years— got my first ever archery uh but my archery kill buck and uh, i want to i want to talk about that story i want to talk about what you did different to lead into this season but I'll, i also want to get a little bit of history um because it sounds to me like you just picked archery back up in 2018 um after a pretty long hiatus of bow hunting yeah so uh my dad's always bow hunted and uh, probably 10th or 11th grade, um, no, ninth, eighth or ninth grade, my dad said, hey, uh, how about we get you a bow and we start shooting? Um, but I shot archery all through 4-H up to it. 
but he finally said, let's, let's get you in a tree stand with a bow. I'm comfortable. You have the knowledge. Um, but you know, at that age, I was probably 14 and, uh, you sit in a stand. I was calling way too much. I had, a. Uh, it really got my itch started because I had this goofy rack eight pointer that had one of the racks facing straight downward. Uh, it was literally right below my stand. I remember to this day, the reason the buck moved is because my tree stand was shaking so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you and had that, a, so that was, um, that was in your early days of when you yeah. first started bow hunting. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, I rifle hunted with my dad. I got my first buck, a little four corn. Um, I was probably 10. So I got my, uh, hunter safety permit at seven and my dad let me hunt at 10. Um, actually funny story, especially if you ask him, we were out hunting. I was probably eight or nine and, uh, I was supposed to wear glasses, but you know, it's not cool when you're in school to wear glasses. <laughs> Kids don't wear glasses and it's really foggy, misty morning. Red goes, there's a buck right there, 15 yards from us. And I'm like, where? I can't see it because I don't have my glasses on. It's right at um, 30 minutes till sunrise. And my dad goes, that's a monster buck right there. And finally, after five or 10 minutes, the buck snorts and ticks, takes off. And I said, oh, there it is. <laughs> and my dad said that was the, still to the this day, biggest buck he's ever seen. And if he wasn't tagged out, that buck would have been home. But he always tagged out early in bow season so that we didn't have to um, worry about him hunting with us and spooking his bucks away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the the lesson there is, is now you wear glasses when you go hunting, right? Well, it took uh, a long time for me to finally wear glasses. I gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, so... It's, but did you continue gun hunting? I mean, it sounds like you've been a gun hunter for a long time then. Well, in high school, uh, you know, you, you kind of start chasing some, something other than whitetails, and uh, yep. it piques your interest a little more. I met my wife, and uh, we spent a lot of time together in high school, so I only got one or two weekends in the woods through high school. Yeah. Um, and then you got college afterwards that I was working full-time going to college, and I didn't get a job that allowed me to hunt like I wanted until um, early 2017. And then I was really learning that job. So I didn't, I didn't have the time I wanted to until 2018 when I started really, I was like, man, I can really focus on this. Right. Okay. So 2018. So all, all these years go by 2018. Um, what was the trigger for you to all of a sudden get back into the woods, even whether it was, uh, you know, gun hunting or picking up a bow and starting to get efficient with your, your bow and arrow set up again? What was that trigger that you told yourself or that, that clicked on you? That's like, Hey man, I got to start doing this more. Well, I think it was when my dad, uh, it was a couple years prior to that. But I, like I said, still was the job. But my dad shot his personal best buck ever. Um, first time ever setting foot on this property. His buddy has heart issues. And uh, 
said, Hey, I need someone to come hunt with me because my wife doesn't trust me in the woods alone. So my dad picked a spot on a fence row, sat down and, uh, opening morning of firearms, this monster 12 point, uh, I think it was actually 11 missing one on one side, uh, 165 inch buck steps out at 40 yards sniffing a doe's butt and, uh, he was gun hunting because he hadn't practiced his bow in many years. He squeezed the trigger and just stood there. And he called me, and he was shaking. I could tell in his voice. And he goes, I just shot the biggest buck ever. And I met him at the taxidermist, and I looked at that buck, and I was like, that's something I want to chase. Yeah. Um, I want to chase big deer. And, so, that, and uh, that was kind of your uh, an experience. Now, that was your dad or your dad's buddy who shot that buck? That was my dad. Your first dad. First day ever stepping on his buddy's family farm. Okay. And so he's, he, he, uh, he shoots a really good deer and, uh, you saw it and you're like, oh man, that, that kind of triggered you to get, get back at it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So throughout the years though, you know, in a conversation that we had before we started recording, you said that you had, and, um, maybe, maybe these are as recent as 2018, but you mentioned that you had some obstacles to overcome, whether that was strategy or gear or whatever, um, that, that you needed to get past in order to be successful. What were those failures and how did you overcome them? So, uh, the first failure I had was I, I had the wrong bow. I, uh, traded for this new old stock Bowtech, um, stalker. And it was like a 2005, six model, 29 inch draw. I'm a 27 and a half. So I got it set to 27 and a half inches, but that 80% let off wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, probably 40% let off and I could shoot good groups with it, but I just couldn't hold it back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it caused me not to be confident. So then I bought, uh, diamond infinite edge. I started practicing with that and I got really good out to 60 yards. Yeah. So, uh, I found some public property, uh, cause I didn't have any private property I could hunt at that point. And I scouted it real heavy, found a nice spot. It was actually 200 yards from the road, from the parking lot. And it looked like no one was hunting there because it was so close to the parking lot. People right. either tell you to go way deep in public property or uh, you're not going to see deer. Yeah. And I'm going to hold found... you. I'm going to hold you right there for a second, though, because you, you talk about gear, right? And I think yep. that's... Um, I had an experience like that um, even this summer where I was, I had typically been shooting a 29, uh, 29 inch draw and I go to a bow shop and I'm just testing out new bows. And he's like, all I got is a 30 or you no, know, I, I was asking for a 29 and he watched my form and he's like, man, you need a, You actually need a 30 inch draw length. And so I, I got a 30 inch out and I started shooting it and I, it actually felt more comfortable to me. Um, so I, all my testing that, that I did, uh, between the seasons was on a 30 inch, uh, a 30 inch draw length. And I got way more confident. Um, and my accuracy got, was 
really improved um, as opposed to shooting something that was a little short on me. And it sounds like that was kind of the same issue where you just weren't feeling a hundred percent confident in that, in that equipment. Yeah. And I still, I still wasn't with the diamond infinite edge. Um, you know, it's a, it's a decent beginner's bow. Um, but not now knowing what I know now, it probably needed tuned properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like every fourth shot would just be a flyer. It would just go random places. Yeah. Um, why do you think that is? Do you think that was lack of practice? Do you think it was fatigue because of, you know, what you were saying about how it wasn't 85% let off? Like, what do you think some of that, those issues were? I think it was, uh, so I actually just set, set this bow up for my brother, um, because he, he needs to build up his strength and I'm, I'm getting him into bow hunting. Um, it was tuned for one. And then the second thing is the bus cables on that are so close to the fletching. You really have to have a small fletching. If you have the blazer veins, they hit. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things is it's just, it's the veins hitting and it's the tune. And I got him grouping well. And I told him, Hey, it's set at 45 pounds, turn it a half a turn until you get up to where you want to be. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, as far as the equipment is concerned, um, going in, so now do you currently still have that, uh, that diamond bow or did you upgrade again? I, I upgraded again pretty, uh, actually it was probably 2019 later in 2019. Okay. Um, I walked into a bow dealership after looking at several bows. I was looking at Matthews, Hoyt, uh, prime elite. And I walked in because this guy was an elite dealer. And I said, man, I want this elite. I've shot it. I really like it. And uh, he pulled out a prime bow for me. And he said, try this. He goes, I don't have any elites in stock because I don't sell them that often. Um, he goes, try this. I am wholeheartedly believe in prime. And I tried a prime CT3 and I fell in love with it. And I've even got upgraded from there because, you know, you tell your wife, oh, I need a spare bow in case something happens to this one. <laughs> <laughs> you shyster. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, and, man, uh, I had a CT3 for years, and, and I I absolutely loved uh, that that Prime CT3. Great bow. Yep, and I still have it on the shelf. Uh, I shot it this year still, um, but I upgraded to the Nexus last year. Well, yeah, December last year. Um, and I love Prime bows. They're they're yeah. awesome bows. Yeah. Um, so now the gear, the gear problem is, is hopefully fixed, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. So, and that's something that uh, a new bow hunter specifically w- definitely needs to hear because they are, you know, brand new and they may not know, they may think it's comfortable, but unless you go to a pro shop or a, a bow shop and, and talk with a bow tech and have a, a specialist really you know, feel you out, uh, you know, feel you out and, and, and get the measurements right and, and tune the bow. It's, it is night and day difference between just a regular bow that you pick up and something that's been tuned by a professional. Yes. Yes, it is. And there's nothing wrong with going to Bass Pro and buying a bow, but I think you still need a professional to tune it up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, those guys are way too busy. 
yeah. it's nothing to do with experience. I think a lot of those guys have good experience. They're just, they got to pump them out. Yeah, that's a fact. All right. So, so the gear situation has kind of been um, handled at this point. Now, what about the, the change in strategy or, um, you know, or, or saying to yourself, Hey man, I, I just don't want to shoot a, a doe. I want to shoot a buck. So, uh, you know, that encounter was probably, uh, that was probably still 2018 when I said I wanted to shoot a buck. Um, and that was, you know, my first encounter as an adult with a buck and a bow was 2018 on that public land. And, uh, specifically cause I scouted, it was probably October 31st, right around that area. Um, I go out in the morning, I got work in the afternoon, midday. And, uh, I told myself, okay, if it doesn't happen by 10 30, I'm going to get out of the woods so I can go to my work. So it's 10 15. I did a short calling sequence. I had a buck come out in front of me. Um, like I said, I'm pretty confident to 60 yards and I had a trophy ridge react five pin site. So I knew where all my pins were. I had ranged this tree, uh, knew the buck was at 45 yards, put the pin right on him, shot him, waited about 45 minutes cause I saw him run off, but I lost sight. So when I went, I found the arrow. It was, had some pretty good blood. And this was, was really, what year was this? 2018, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so the arrow had good blood. There was good blood on the, the ground. I said, okay, I'm going to go take my climber out. So I was still using a climber at this time. I hadn't upgraded the lone wolf. I think I have an alpha now. Um, and I took my climber out, walked it to the truck. So now we're hour 45 minutes into the hunt or into where the deer, I shot the deer and I'm starting to track. And when I'm at the truck, a DNR officer happened to drive up and he goes, Hey, uh, have any luck? And I said, yeah, actually I'm going back to track. So he goes, hop in the truck. I'll drive you back there. We'll go look together. So now I got four eyes instead of two. Um, and we track this buck and we're tracking it moving real slow. And, uh, we get to the spot and there's just blood everywhere. And he goes, man, this buck has to be close. And then we find nothing after it. Nothing. We never saw the buck jump. Nothing. Well, at this point, I'm supposed to be at my appointment for work. I called him, told him, hey, I'm, I'm not coming today. I, I got something more important to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I called a dog out because I knew that's what I needed to do. The dog comes out. He goes, show me last blood. I showed him last blood. He goes, man, this is really good blood. We can, I mean, we saw bubbles in the blood. Um, it was definitely a long hit, at least one. And he goes, the dog's not tracking anymore. And the more and more we look at this spot, you can see where this deer laid down or whatever um, from the trail, the main trail where everyone in this parking lot has to walk on the way back. And he goes, well, take me to first blood, took him to first blood. His dog went all the way to the trail, came back to the same spot. And he goes, I'm telling you, this deer did not walk out of here. He goes, because there's scent glands in the deer's hoofs. 
And if that deer walked, my dog would at least track a little further. He goes, the dog stops right here. This deer died right here. Well, two days later, I'm on a Facebook page, and I see my buck. And there's a guy grinning with my buck. What? Yeah. So someone stole your that buck from, out, yeah. out from underneath of you. Yeah, because he, I remember to this day, he had a more of a chocolate rack. And uh, it was a little bit darker color fur than a standard buck. I mean, he was a mature buck, had a big white patch on the top of his head. Um, very unique buck. And it was probably a 130-inch endpoint. I mean, nice buck. Yeah. And this public land was draw only for firearm season. And my neighbor happened to draw a firearm permit. And invited me to come out with him. So, uh, and this was kind of my neighbor's introduction to me getting to know each other because he's about 75 and uh, his daughters are getting a little leery that they don't want him to hunt alone anymore. Yeah. So, well, hey, out of to... curiosity, did you confront this guy who potentially stole your deer or was there a chance that he shot him too? You know, there's always that chance, but the blood trail never got heavier. Yeah. It was always the same until there was the end spot. Okay. Um, Did you confront this guy? I didn't because what's it going to do over Facebook? The DNR can't do anything. Um, you know, I, I talked to my dad about it after I saw the picture. I sent it to him, and um, we're both kind of hotheads. So that's, yeah. you know, your first reaction is to confront the guy and my dad goes there's nothing you can do but i was pissed about it the whole time you know yeah it kind of racks your nerves and you're like what the heck yeah so that kind of explains opening day of firearm season um on the same public property i uh set up almost in the same spot just because i knew there were deer there they, you know you're kind of tiffed because your deer got stole well first deer that walked out was a four corn and I hadn't got a buck probably since 2011 or 12. Okay. Um, actually it was probably late. Let me think about this for a second. Last buck I shot was my eight small basket rack, eight point. And that was with a firearm, right? Yep. Yep. I was in seventh grade. Okay. So that would have been, 2008 no 2006 okay so it was 12 years since i lost my last shot of buck okay um and you know i kind of took all my anger out on it but you know i was at the same point i was like you know two bucks within a two-week span of each other um it kind of started getting some wheels moving on what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I was so perturbed about this whole thing. I honestly didn't hunt the rest of the season. That's how fired I, up you were. So yeah. did you end up shooting a, a deer with your gun then? Yeah, I shot that 
four point. Okay, that little oh, four, four corn. Point. Okay, uh, with with the rifle. Well, and that's a win, right? I mean, you got you yeah. got you got a deer. Um, and as hunters, we all kind of make adjustments throughout the sched- uh, throughout the season, whether we want to, you know, strictly hunt with a bow, or you know, hey, I, I tried with a bow, it didn't work out. Whether it's your fault. Or, or in this instance, it sounds like it's not your fault. Um, you had a, a, just a crazy circumstance happen, um, that we, we, we were successful in that season. And then it sounds to me like, uh, uh, emotions kind of played out the rest of the season and you decided to, to hang it up the rest of the 2018 season then. Right. Yeah. Kind of get a break refresh. Yeah. Um, I think that's the year I found the hunting public on uh, Amazon. Cause I work from home a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I like to say I worked from home before it was cool. Yep. Um, so it kind of got me thinking about, you know, public land, different ways to hunt deer. Um, and it really, you know, even though my big buck being stolen that year, it really made me, um, realize that I had something going. I figured out a pattern. Well, that's so, good. That's good. Uh, we fast forward to 2019. Um, my neighbor said, Hey, uh, you can hunt my p- private land with me. And then my dad's buddy, where he shot that big, big buck, uh, Boone Crockett buck, said, Hey, you can hunt my property for bow too. Well, um, I found, found out early, right before season, uh, my wife had cancer. Okay. So it kind of put a damper on how much hunting I wanted to do that year. We were dealing with other things. Right. So my neighbor and I, we, we bow hunted quite a bit still. Uh, but I was really learning his property. It was 180 acres of just rolling hills with oaks everywhere, uh, thickets everywhere. Um, I really didn't figure out this property until 2020. Okay. So, so, uh, 2019 kind of goes by, you have some, um, family things that take precedence and you're also on a a brand new property that, um, that not only did you hunt less, it's it's almost the opposite of what you need to do. If you pick up a new property, you need to hunt more or scout more. And you had, so you had the lack of time with family issues and you also had a, uh, um, a brand new property that you just couldn't put in the time to learn properly. And that kind of caused you to, I mean, did you strike out then in 2020? Um, actually I, I didn't. Um, actually I'm talking about 2019. Okay. So yeah, I should, 20, should say 2019. Yeah. Um, I didn't because we got drawn again. Um, and the reason my neighbor was really looking for a partner is because he wants to hunt every state park before he can't hunt anymore. Gotcha. Which are draw only. Um, and state parks are firearm only. So, uh, state parks are really fun because, uh, they're only hunt hunted for four days a year. Rest of the year, they're sanctuary. So, uh, we scouted heavy on the state park and, we bumped a buck and doe about two weeks before the beginning of season. I started looking around and I was like, man, there's a lot of sign here. I want to sit here. So, uh, I sat there not 20 minutes after the sun rose 
uh, and these are really management hunts. So they don't want you to pass up any does. Um, and I was using my dad's old Mossberg 695 bolt action with a ported barrel, which really helps if you're going to shoot more than one deer because it scatters the sound so much they don't know which direction it came from and they don't bolt. So about half hour, maybe even less before sunrise or before um, after sunrise, I have two does flow through and one's definitely a mom. The other one's year and a half old deer or less and uh i shot the big doe i didn't see her go down and i'm like i'm gonna wait here in my climber and wait for the big deers to come by or i'll go track it here in a little bit i should mention there's good snow cover on the ground i mean it's one of the first years that there's good snow cover on the ground opening weekend of firearm um well about 10 minutes later here comes that buck that i bumped up and uh he comes through and steps right where i wanted him to and i took aim and watched him go expire not 10 steps from where he was so uh you know after that experience in 2018 i climbed down right away and uh notched my tag and I called my dad told him the whole story about what happened and he goes, Oh man, that's awesome. He goes, send me some pictures. He goes, I just thought about this. He goes, uh, you need to put your business card somewhere inside that deer, whether it's in the ear and the mouth, uh, cut a hole in it's uh, under the rib and shove a business card in its rib. That way, if, while you're going to grab your truck, someone decides to, uh, take your deer, you got some kind of proof this time. And, uh, so I did that, called my neighbor. I said, hey, I shot a buck and a, I shot a doe. Um, just want to let you know. And he goes, oh, well, I'll walk over and I'll help you put them in the truck. So we did that. We got the buck and doe. I uh, found the doe fairly quickly. She was only 40 yards from where I shot her. And that was my 2019 season because, I, like I said, my wife had some health issues and I didn't want to hunt that much. Right. Um, right. So then we fast forward to 2020 and this is where it kind of gets comical. Um, so my next door neighbor and I made plans to go out on Saturday and I've kind of figured out his property. It's probably about October 10th. Um, so Friday before and, uh, I decided, you know, my dad's friend's property where I got permission to hunt, I was going to go try just because I had the time. I really wanted to get in the woods and figure out some deer patterns. And um, that property, I I knew I had the potential to find a a nice buck because it produced nice bucks before. And it's farmland, agricultural, with a couple 20-acre lots of woods. So they're concentrated. And uh, I picked my tree, put my lone wolf up in the tree, and I'm, I'm climbing up. And I go to pull my bow up on the, the pull rope. I'm reaching down to grab it, and the clip on the pull rope snaps. I watch my bow fall all the way to the bottom of the tree. 
So I get back down. I grab my bow. Sights broke off. Ugh. I'm like, oh, man. So I call my archery shop where I bought my prime, and I said, hey, I I know you. Um, I know you close in about an hour and a half. It's going to take me two hours to get there. Is it okay if you stay open so that I can get a site? I just need to get a site so that I can go out in the morning because I promised my neighbor I was going out with him. So I go pick up a site. It's a totally different site. I got a single pin because that's what I wanted. And uh, I should have got a multi-pin because that's what I was used to. So I get there and put the site on. He, he levels it for me and everything. And I go out hunting with my neighbor the next day, probably about uh, a week and a half later. I'm in my dad's friend's woods, the agricultural woods, and I climb up in this tree. I'm like, man, this is a nice spot. And uh, I'm in the crook of two trees, um, 25 feet up. Probably there a half hour. Here comes a button buck. And uh, did I tell you I had to sight that bow in after picking that single pin sight in the dark? In what did you have to uh, sight it in in your like headlights or something? Yeah, yeah, in the backyard in the headlights. Dang. Um, it was it was one of those days. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I don't think I found your podcast yet at this point. Um. But I'm sitting there in this tree, and half hour after I get in the tree, here comes a button buck, and he's just tooling around around me. About an hour later, here comes two does. They come right behind me. I mean, the button buck, literally, I have a, I took a picture, sent it to my wife. I said, well, the deer like me because it's at the bottom of my stand. Uh, the does go 20 yards behind my stand. Um, it's probably half hour before into shooting light all of a sudden the woods just explode and this is let me think 2020 it was probably october 25th all right so things in the woods are starting to heat up yeah and i mean this three years ago my dad's friend shot this buck uh it was aged at about four and a half years old it wasn't wider than ears but it was tall and uh, he was wearing a, a Santa Claus hat when he shot this buck. So we call it Santa Claus. And it looked just like, I mean, it was a mirror image of this buck. And this buck was so aggressive. I mean, he was chasing everything. Uh, a couple spikes, a small two-and-a-half-year-old, um, chasing everything around. And I'm sitting here chasing him with my bow, trying to, uh, when he stops, I want to get a shot. And I had this tree... Um, I knew it was about 45 yards away and I set my single pin cause I knew he was going to stop right in it. And I released an arrow. I didn't have light of knocks at this point. Couldn't find the arrow. Couldn't find any blood later that night. So, um, it was complete mess. I, when I got down to where I thought he was. I looked back up at the tree. He was about 20 yards after the tree. It just looked like he was in that opening. Yeah. 
Um, so I should have, he stood there long enough. I should have ranged him. Yeah. And his head was behind a tree, but you know, rookie mistake. Yeah. Uh, so at that point, you know, you, you miss a deer and, and a lot of people, their confidence, you know, the confident level kind of goes down. And, uh, how did, so how did you recover from something like that? I immediately went back in my backyard and I started shooting. Um, I got confident. I finally got a nice sight tape on my single pin sight. Um, and I shot my first Robin hood that week that I was shooting. So that was like, man, I'm doing something right. That Robin hood was at 60 yards too. Um, so it told me, you know, I'm doing something right. I was hitting softballs at um, 80 yards when I stepped back to 80. I was really dialing things in. Yeah. So then this is two days before our opening of firearms, like November 12th. I went back out to my dad's friend's property, the agricultural property. And uh, there's a thicket on the backside of these woods. And it's a slow hill that goes back to the thicket. Um, and the deer always funnel through that thicket. The thicket is someone else's property, though. So I sat back probably 10 yards off of this thicket. And there's this big tree that, it's two trees. I get up in the crook again uh, with the, the climbing sticks. Uh, this one was, when I got up there, it was leaning back way more than it looked like from the ground. Um, it was pretty funny sitting in it and you're, you're almost in a recliner on the platform. So this is my first encounter with deer sounds in the woods. I had it's probably four daylight savings time. So it's probably about seven fifteen. I had a bunch of does come through and they sat 20 yards from me bedded down not five minutes later, you know, I'm using uh, doa stress at this time, and I have it. You mean set. scent? You're yep. using a, a, a whole bunch. Like you, so, what what'd you do? Did you drag uh, a, a drag rag into the woods with you, or did you spray it at the bottom of your tree, or how did you use that that scent? So I drug it all the way across the hay field with me, uh, going into the woods, and. Drug it into the woods, hung it up in a tree um, right on the property line because the the wind usually comes from the property line, blows into me, um, but all the deer funnel up through uh, from the bottom usually. Okay. So after those does lay down, all of a sudden I hear the loudest grunt I've ever heard. I mean, it scared me almost. It was like, whoa, what the heck is that? And I just see antlers. Um, and this really taught me in 2020 to identify bucks in the woods. So I didn't see anything but antlers. So uh, I took a little bit of a risk with the doe sitting right there and then maybe winding me or seeing me do this. But I took a bleat call and I did a single bleat and this buck hops out of the woods, runs across the hay field, because um, I'm almost in the corner of the thickets on the back, 
you have the hay field and then you have the woods. So I'm in that corner right there in the hay field. Um, so I watched him run across the hay field and he hopped in the thicket. And I was like, oh, what the heck's going on? You know, he went from downwind to upwind now. Why is he doing that? Um, and all of a sudden, I, I see his antlers finally appear through the woods. And I just see bigger antlers. And I was like, that's a big buck. So um, I'm sitting here waiting in this tree stand, anticipation's building. But you get to that point where your buck fever almost goes away. Yeah. Because you've been waiting so long. Yep. And the smaller buck, which by smaller, I think, Thinking about it now, I think it's the buck that I shot this year. Um, Because I had several encounters with him throughout this year and last year. Well, let me take that back. Last year, I had several encounters with him. I had one encounter with him this year. Yeah. So I see him filter through, and then I see this big buck definitely three, four inches on each side outside the ear. Um, I'm guessing a 140 at least. And he comes at, and he's walking slow because those big old bucks don't walk fast. So he's coming slow. Um, and in 2020, I told myself at the beginning of season, I'm not going to shoot a small buck because in 2018, I shot a small buck and I said, I'm not going to do that again. So he makes a circle and circles in front of me. And he's at 36 yards. I ranged him. Oh, you know, I said that I uh, dropped my bow, put a new single pin side on it, and I should have got a multi-pin. So this is the reason why. So... I go to turn my single pin sight to 35 yards and I spin the dial. I draw back, I shoot. Um, and I had lighted knocks at this point that I had sighted in and I watched the arrow go right below him. I mean, right below him. And this was after you ranged him, correct? After I ranged him. Okay, so you adjust, you ranged him, you got a range, and you adjusted your pin to get the the range on the uh, on the on the sight, and you missed low. Well, and that's the tricky part. The sight that I got, the adjustment knob is not keyed to the shaft, so when you turn it and it's not loosened on the bottom, the lock's not loosened all the way. It just spins. Okay. So it was still set for 20 yards, and it just went right below him. Gotcha. So uh, another another example of uh, gear not working or you not being comfortable with your gear. Yep, and that's all because I dropped my bow two and a half weeks before, um, you know, didn't read the instructions thoroughly, started shooting, um, the funny part is this buck let me shoot at him twice and because he was in front of me I didn't realize 
what was going on, I thought, I ranged him again. I mean, just to make sure. I looked at my sight um, to make sure I was at the right yardage. I drew back, shot, shot on, under him again. I mean, right under him. And I didn't realize till later when I was in the yard and I set my pen uh, back to 20 yards. When I set it back to 20, I loosened up the knob and I was shooting high. I was like, what the heck's going on here? Yeah. And then I realized it wasn't keyed. And I was like, okay. So it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a sight. Yeah. And, uh, so, so now you, you know, you, you've been dealing with, it sounds to me like your strategy, um, the strategy that you're using to put yourself into place is, is, uh, is working. Um, it sounds to me like you really want to get a a deer with your bow. Um, you've had some, uh, gear issues that kind of plagued you. How did the rest of 2020 play out for you? So it was, uh, I had a couple encounters. Um, I think this is about the time that I found your podcast, uh, nine finger Chronicles. So I, it's probably Thanksgiving weekend. And my dad and I always go hunting Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I'm sitting up in the same, about the same tree, maybe a couple trees over. And I see tines 80 yards off in the thicket. And this buck is just, he's working those. He's got them locked down. He's not going to move with them. And he finally starts moving my way. And, uh, the wind turns a different direction and it blows right to him. And I mean, I was looking at him when it did it and I felt it on the back of my neck and I just watched his head come up and he just didn't hesitate. He just went. Um, and I think I literally for four hours, watched this buck move left and right before that. And, uh, I think that's the buck that I shot this year because I had all I saw was his head and antlers and I studied it. Yeah. Um, and he was a little smaller, a little skinnier, um, antler wise, but he was a nice buck still last year. Yeah. Um, So, so you got busted in the tree, The, the wind shift, you got busted. Um, this deer runs off, um, any other close counters in, in 2020? Uh, one, one last close encounter. And then, uh, and this is where your podcast kind of pays off for anyone that listens is you were talking about late season buck hunts. And you said, um, sometimes if you make a single grunt that you get some deer movement started, I think is what you said. Um, so I set up in the woods after no more buck encounters that year besides the last day of season. I mean, literally the last day of season. Um, but I had doe encounters where I watched where the does filtered through the woods to a certain spot. Every single time at, at night, I watched them filter through the woods. <clears throat> so the last day of season, I said, I haven't got a deer this year. I want to get a deer, so I'll shoot a doe or a buck. So I'm going to set up on this doe trail. I set up. 
And after you listen to your podcast, it's a three hour drive to this property. So I listen to podcasts on the way home and on the way back. Um, I did a single buck grunt and all of a sudden deer just started filtering through the woods and here comes that buck and the same one that I saw this year and he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, but he goes 60 yards away. I said, you know, bow hunting's all about the encounter. I kind of want that encounter closer than 60 yards yeah. with all the misses this year. I don't want to take a chance at 60 yards. Um, plus it's in the woods, it's thick, it's not an open area. Um, I really don't want to take a 60 yard shot. So I waited, I waited. Um, and then the does that filter through every night and he had a, he had a smaller six point with them and a spike. They were all with them and they bedded down. Well, I have some does filter through, uh, same time they did every night. And I picked the one that I wanted. And I said, I need to build up some confidence with the bow. Before I try anything, I need to build up some confidence. So I'm going to take one of these does. And 15-yard shot, chip shot, broadside, drew right back on her. I took the shot, and there was sleet on the ground because it was sleeting earlier that morning but it was warm enough that it was melting and my dad was on his way out he hadn't even got out to the property yet um and i should mention because this late in the season it's archery only in indiana they got away with the doe only season firearm um for christmas i paid to have my dad's old bowtech that he loves shooting restrung. I had my local archery shop make some new strings for it. Um, so this was his first time out in probably 10 years bow hunting. And he was tickled pink to get out. He started shooting. I mean, 2020, I really got into bow technology and I started building my own arrows. Um, I bought a bow press, all that kind of stuff. So I built him a set of arrows. He already had shot the fletching off of half his arrows. <laughs> I mean, it just came right back to him. So he's like, I'm coming out with you. It's last day season. Let's go have some fun. So I shot this doe. I sent him a picture. I said, uh, well, you're a little late to the field because I already uh, shot one. And I could see just the blood trail from where this doe ran. And I lost her in the thicket. And I mean, it was, it just turned the sleet red. It was just red until I couldn't see anymore. And my dad goes, oh, anything else in the woods? I said, actually, there's three bucks. I said, the wind is heading towards where he has a blind in the the fence row. I said, if you walk that fence row, or it's coming from that direction, rather, to the bucks, in my favor. And I said, if you walk that fence row, it might wind bump the bucks towards my direction. As a last-ditch effort. I mean, it's the last day of the season. you got to try something. So he's probably 300 yards away from these bucks on the edge of the fence row. And he's walking slowly. And all of a sudden, the small six point pops up and beats it out of there, busts everything else out of there, too. And that's the last I saw of this deer. 
Um, so, and that's how, and that's how your 2020 season ended then, right? That's how it ended. Okay. All right. I mean, it just, it was kind of anticlimactic cause I didn't, he didn't come my way, but, um, I had a final encounter with him and it was a little bit closer and, um, you got to try something at that last, last hour. Yep. Absolutely. That's the, that's a, a hell Mary that we kind of have talked about in this series and, and knowing when to, uh, when to start throwing hell Marys and, and when to, you know, play maybe a little conservative. And, and, and that is definitely something that you have to learn throughout the years in order to, um, get consistent success uh, is knowing when to be aggressive and when to just kind of be conservative in your, in your strategy approach. Now, moving into this, this season, um, did you, did you have any hard goals in mind that you said to yourself, Hey, it is, it's, it's time to shoot a buck with my bow. Like I I need to get this done. So uh, my goal for this season is I wanted to, I wanted a three and a half year old or bigger, older buck. Um, I didn't necessarily. And at, at this point, I'm sorry to interrupt, this, but at, yep. at this point, how many deer have you shot with a bow? Just one, just, just one, one at the end of 2020, uh, that doe to gain my confidence. Yep. Um, that was the only deer I've ever, well, I, and that buck in 2018 that I suspect was stolen by that guy because, um, you know, it's just a, such a unique buck. Uh, yeah. Those are the only two deer that I've ever know that I hit and tracked. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, so when, when you're, you know, when you're starting to make up your mind, why were you deciding, you know, for your archery goal, you've only shot, let's just say two deer successful. Why did you put, um, uh, a certain goal of a, a three-year-old buck or, you know, a three and a half year old buck uh, as a goal when you've only shot two other deer with your bow? Well, uh, my dad's friend Chuck has a saying on his property and he said, uh, first time I ever hunted on this property, he said, I have one rule. Don't shoot little bucks. Okay. That's his only rule for the property is don't shoot little bucks. Gotcha. Um, so, and I, I knew because I because shoot. that's not your land, you you have to live by the request of the landowner. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. And it's because he knows it has potential for nice bucks. Yeah. Um, he's taken several um, 130 inch plus bucks on this property. Gotcha. Um, and by small buck, he doesn't mean. Hmm, you know, if I shot a two and a half year old, nice eight point that had a, a, a nice rack, uh, he probably wouldn't be too upset, especially if it was my first archery deer. Right. Um, but it's just kind of his, his heart and fast rule. Don't shoot little bucks. Yeah. Um, and in 2020, I kind of took a little bit different approach or 2021 rather took a little different approach. Um, so I went out and bought some clearance game cameras and in February, I uh, went out and set trail cameras, set out some corn, put some salt blocks, put some mineral blocks, um, so I can get kind of an inventory of what made it through the season before the racks fell off. And 
I didn't have that big 140 inch plus buck on camera. We kind of think it got shot at the beginning of season. Um, cause there was a guy that started hunting the thicket. He got permission and started hunting the thicket on the backside of the property, um, which was not ours. So we kind of think he, cause he was hanging out right at the edge of the thicket. And we kind of think he might've taken that buck cause that's where he was. Uh, three days before the beginning of firearm season. Um, so I got trail cameras out. The only nice buck I have on pictures, the one that I think I shot this year, and he already lost one antler at this point in time. I was like, man, some of them already lost antlers. Yeah. Um, so I pulled cards. So you were making Probably. it a point to, uh, to, get out there and learn more about the deer herd by putting trail cameras up, whether that was for, you know, to locate bucks or locate does and see how they moved through the terrain. Correct. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to see what class of bucks we had in this property. Yeah. Um, just a definitive answer. So I knew whether or not I was hunting the right class of deer. Gotcha. Um, but in 2020, I really patterned how the deer moved through all those woods. Gotcha. Um, I really had it down. Okay. Well, um, here we come June of 2020, um, 2021. And I'm coming out to the property to pull my trail cameras. And there's loggers. Yeah, I've been there, man. And I'm like, oh, man. And then I talked to my dad's friend and he goes, yep, there's a house going up in the front left-hand corner of the woods. Um, it's a family owned property, but my dad's friend's brother runs the farm and his daughter was building a house in the corner of the woods. So they logged it and then built her house. So I pull cards in June and I had a picture of my buck that I shot this year, uh, on those cards. So I knew he was there. Um, they were out of there in two weeks. I mean, it's a small 20 acre section of wood. So they, they got out of there quick. Um, but I didn't know how, how it was going to affect deer. And actually this might not have been June. This might've been earlier because it was before Turkey season. So it might've been March when they did this. Okay. So, um, the, the property is impacted by something completely, out of the norm, right? Uh, they, yeah. they log it, they build a house. Um, how we have to fast forward just for, for time constraints on this episode yep. now. So as you're, as the, the 2021 season has started, um, there's, there's been an, an impact in some way, uh, what, whether we call it pressure, let's just call it pressure on a certain part of the farm. How did that pressure, uh, affect the, uh, the deer movement on that property? Did it, did it change it at all or did it like change it enough where you had to make, uh, some moves? Well, um, this is where I took your advice. You said, don't ever, um, make an observation sit. If you can make an observation sit where you can hunt. Um, so I knew there was a trail right down the middle of the woods that they logging trail. Um, and they usually came on the south side of the woods. And this is pretty much dead center in the woods. But there's that slight hill. So I sat on top of it because I knew 
you know, something changed. So I kind of wanted to be in an area where I could shoot, but um, observe at the same time. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, it's my first set on the property because, uh, you know, comical fails that happened with me. Uh, September 20th or so, I was shooting my bow and I went to draw it back and um, I think my bow came with a string defect because I had multiple issues with my string. Um, short, long story short, my string broke and Dang. bent both cams. Um, I didn't get my bow back until a week prior to this. So I had my, my bow sighted into 20 yards. Um, but that's, that's the story of my bow hunting career is that there's always something that goes wrong right before season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I get up in the stand, this observations that where I could actually get in some of the action, uh, deer start flowing through and there's treetops down everywhere. They're still green. Um, and I'm nestled up in this Oak tree. Uh, I, I have really good backdrop around me and it's, I forget what date it is exactly. I think it's October 15th. It's right dead in the middle of the month. Um, and I see these does coming through and I kind of see tines behind them and they're hundred yards off in the woods. Um, and the funny story about this hunt, real short and sweet. I was just going to go pull trail cameras because we were camping at a campground that was 40 minutes away from this property instead of three hours. And I talked myself into actually hunting. Um, instead of pulling trail cameras. So I, I see these does and I kind of see antlers a hundred yards off. And I do a single doe bleat. You know, it's early in season, but sometimes bucks react weird to doe bleat. And, uh, this buck just starts pushing does around. I mean, he's pushing them around. Who, who's hot, who's ready. Yeah. And, uh, he finally figures out none of those does are, and he walks on a string right to me um and this is kind of where uh, all the practice i mean i practiced every almost every single day in 2021 i was out there shooting uh almost nonstop. yeah and it's a full frontal shot almost uh, a little bit quartered and i see him walking up to me and he hops over this log. I knew the log was about 35 yards, um, just judging distance. And he takes a couple more steps where he's kind of clear from everything. I have a, I have to stand on my tippy toes to get over the brush that I'm, is my backdrop. Uh, drawback. He never knows that I'm there, and. I've only got my 20 yard pen sighted in because I just got my bow back. Um, and I put it right, right at the nodule on his chest where, um, I knew it was going to take out part of the heart, at least one lung and go into the liver. Uh, just from looking at multiple, uh, deer anatomy pictures and uh, shot calculators and stuff like that. I take the shot and he just takes off like a bat out of hell. I mean, you know, he's, he's doing the death run. 
but it's so thick because they cut those treetops, I couldn't see him after 10 yards. So uh, I told myself, you know, I'm going to wait an hour just because I didn't see him go down. And uh, if we're coming up too close on time constraint, just let me know and we can cut it a little little quicker. Um, but 45 minutes into that, hour i uh see these does funneling over to me and i'm like man that tree's 10 yards if the big doe comes right in between those trees um it's gonna be hard to pass up a shot they fall in your lap right yeah yeah yeah, it just kind of you know one after another well she she steps right in that window i draw back and i'm kind of looking and i'm like i haven't recovered the buck and uh, get in my anchor and you know I'm kind of squeezing kind of hesitant and I took the shot and watched her trot off um, arrow stuck probably 18 inches into her there was probably 10 inches that wasn't in her um, heard a loud schwack because I hit her scapula um, and I was like, okay, well, now I don't have just one deer I got to look for. I got two. So uh, I called my brother who works nights, and I I said, hey, uh, come out to Chuck's property. Um, I I think I got two deer down. I'm not sure, but, you know, that's what I think. I'm pretty confident. I said, I'm going to start looking for the buck here in about 15, 20 minutes just because they ran completely opposite directions. I knew I wasn't going to bump the doe if it wasn't a good shot if I looked for the buck. Um, it was about a 45-minute wait for him to get out there. And uh, I started looking at the blood trail in the buck. And because it was a, a frontal shot, you know, the arrow didn't go all the way through him. It's a, a slow blood trail at first. Um, and it gradually starts getting a little bit better, a little bit better. Um, and I come out to the, the south logging trail and I kind of ran out of blood 10 yards before it. And I'm kind of circling, looking for a little more blood. And I look up and I just see his rack. And I'm like, Oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> it's, it's done. I got my archery buck. I got, I got the deer that I've had multiple encounters with over the past year and a half and uh it's finally a chapter to close yeah Um, so so i'm 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 fast forwarding here for you and you you eventually you got the dough right yep but how did it feel you know for you once you were able to bend over and, and pick that buck up for the first time oh it was it's a feeling I, like I told my brother, I said, uh, when you have those in close encounters, um, it's a feeling like no other. I mean, it's, you're part of the woods. Um, and it just, it really makes you grateful for, um, all the opportunities. It was just, it it was amazing. It, It, he came and I said, well, let's get some pictures with this buck real quick, uh, and look for the doe. And then, of course, we found her and took pictures with both. But it was it was a real special experience, and it was nice to have my brother there. Um, it kind of ignited his spark for archery because 
he was kind of like, ah, why archery? Because you can't, I mean, he's rifle hunted his whole life. Um, it took him until a couple of years ago to get his buck yeah, uh, at all because we lost our, our property from when I was a kid, but it really ignited a spark in him because he saw how happy I was getting my buck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, and the cool part about this whole story is you had to go through a whole bunch of trials and tribulations. Um, some of them were bad luck. Some of them were failure uh, on your part, but, uh, you know, and it, it took three years for you to be, you know, what you would determine or I'm not going to say successful because I think if even on years where you don't, uh, fill a tag, you can, you can still be, have a successful hunting season, but this year, um, it sounds like you were able to check some boxes and, and accomplish what you ultimately set out to do. And that was, uh, put an archery buck on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And I would wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, even though I didn't take a buck in my 2020 season, all those encounters, uh, it, it was still a fulfilled season. It, yeah. it teaches you a lot of lessons. Amen. Amen. Well, Joe, man, I really appreciate you taking uh, time out of your day to hop on the podcast and, and, and share this experience with us. I know a lot of people out there uh, who uh, are, are new to bow hunting or, or novices, you know, relatively new, um, can benefit from your story here. So uh, thank you very much for your time. And again, congratulations. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to find out more information and utilize additional resources, visit DeerAssociation.com slash Hunting 101. There you will find links to the YouTube series, Guide to Successful Deer Hunting ebook, new hunter sign-up sheets, and Deer Hunting 101 courses. Additionally, you can listen to more outdoor-themed podcasts at SportsmansNation.com, on iTunes, or anywhere you download your podcasts.